0: The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the ninth chapter. When they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them, and the scribes arguing with them. Immediately, all the crowd, when they saw Him, Jesus, they were greatly amazed, and they ran up to Him, and they greeted Him. He asked them, What are you arguing about with them? Someone from the crowd answered Him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and he grinds his teeth. He becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out. They were not able. He answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. They brought the boy to him. And when the Spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy. He fell to the ground and he rolled about, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? He said, From childhood. It has often cast him into fire or into water to destroy Him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us. Help us. Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. After crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out. The boy was like a corpse, that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? He said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. The Gospel of Our Lord. If the early church had just said in, in this message today, we'll just come right out up in the front. And tell you what it's about. We'll tell you the, the the ending line and the front line and everything in the middle, kind of summarized in one thing. This this message today's gospel lesson has an emphasis or an emphasis about prayer. And 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 why prayer? Because prayer is going to get you to a place where you have grace. That's the presence of God. And when you're in the presence of God and you have grace, then you'll actually be able to be in the place where you believe or you have faith. So it's a progression of prayer to God to faith right up front that's what it's about all right so in the line of where we're at in in the church here we need to remember what's what's happened so uh seven weeks ago we had Jesus and he was teaching about him being the bread of life He had fed a crowd of 5,000 men, 5,000 women, 5,000 children. And plus, I mean, there's a lot of people there. Say 15,000, 20,000 people there. He fed them and he goes on to teach them in John's book. He says, I am, the name of God, I am the bread of life. And then he goes on to say that you will need to eat me. You'll need to consume me, which to them was hard on their ears. They, they, could, they wanted the food. They wanted the king to rule everything. But when it came time to do this, it's almost a cannibalistic sound to it, consuming of Jesus, it, they, they, they left him. At the end of that one, they said the lesson's too hard. And hundreds and hundreds of potential disciples, people had been following Him extensively for a long time, they left. At the end of that day, there were only 12 left. He was abandoned. Only 12. And then from that day, something changes in Jesus' ministry because He realizes now, I've got 12. This is all we got. He knew this, but we've got 12. I know that I'm going to be getting closer to a cross. I'm going to be departing. I need to get these 12 Ready? I need to move them from being disciples to being apostles, the the students to being the sent ones. So his emphasis is no longer on teaching whole masses of crowds. His emphasis isn't about that. Almost every one of his teaching points is now specifically designed to get his disciples ready to be apostles. That happened a while back. Today's going to continue. Um, Another thing that's going on today is the transfiguration. In chapter 9, starting in verse 2, it talks about the transfiguration. Our verses started at verse 14. So those 2 to 13, those words, are about the transfiguration of our Lord. That happens before He comes down to where He's at today. It would be wise for us to consider that, just touching on a little bit. Three of His disciples, Peter, James, and John, they're the ones, they're the insider group of three, they're the ones that go up the mountain with Jesus to pray. And while they're up there, A a gift like very few that they could ever have in their life until they're in heaven happens. They experience God. Similar in this transfiguration, first for us to consider, is Jesus goes up the mountain, so too did Moses. There they get words of God and when they come back down they come back to a valley when Moses comes down he has a faithless people causing troubles when Jesus comes down he has a faithless people and a demon so there's some echoes of the Old Testament with this rising up to experience the presence of the God and the return to the long trip ahead that's going on but there's some also some other things that are really neat for us to consider the transfiguration as we look at today's Bible lesson because there's some huge contrasts contrast as much as from light to darkness right Big contrast. So the first one is you think about the transfiguration up on this mountaintop. What's going on up there is it's heaven has come down. It's engulfed the top of the mountain. The disciples are in fear. They're kind of face down wondering what's going on. Jesus is exploding light. He's like, you've seen the light and the life, the God within the man is is just fully revealed. And they said he glowed like no bleach on earth could ever happen. Like lightning flashing. I mean, he was radiant light. That's taking place on top of the mountain. They're experiencing a life and a light and a presence of God that they will never ever be able to capture into words. It, they just can't. That's up on top of the mountain. Exact opposites happening down in the, in the valley. Back in the valley, we have crowds of people, people fighting against God, arguing with God, winding it their way, pursuing their agendas, and in the midst of that, you have a demon that has completely occupied a child. Heaven and hell. A war. You see the extremes in those contrasts. Another contrast. On the top, you have a God domination of event. On the other side of it, you have an evil dominating event. A demon dominating event. You have a God, the Father, who is pleased with His Son up here. This is my Son. I'm pleased. Listen to Him Is the instructions to the disciples. Down in the valley side of it that we read today, you have a dad, an earth dad, saying, look at my son. He's being tortured by this demon. What a contrast. A delighted dad here and a tortured dad here. There's nothing, I mean, think about the torture to this. Few things in your life that are hard, like the pain that we experience, but one of the hardest things you'll ever experience is when you see your child suffering. That's brutal. And that's happening here. The opposite of what's on top of the mountain. On the top, we have a perfect son on the bottom, we have a possessed son. We have fallen men in the, in the holy wonder in the in the ex- expression of heaven, these guys are in just in a holy awesome wonder place on top of this transfiguration event on the valley. you have men in the other in the other gospel lessons when they 're recording this event because it shows up in Matthew and Luke as well and in those, the dad has fallen on his feet. he are fallen from his feet to his knees he 's fallen in holy exhaustion. From a fight with a demon that they cannot overcome, so you have two different things. What a contrast! It's part of our lesson. It's 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 subtle to us. We could read over these few chapter, these few verses, and not ever really consider that. But when we pause to consider, that's a big deal. That is a a dramatic scene that we just read about today. Another thing for us to consider is. The very last words of chapter 8, before we get to the transfiguration, Jesus tells His friends, He tells the 12 remaining guys, He says, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and you're going to betray Me. And then once you betray Me, they're going to arrest Me. You're going to be handed over to evil men. They're going to abuse Me, and they're going to kill Me. But on the third day, I'll rise. They just heard that for the first time. All of that has just happened prior to our lesson so the, and now thinking about this where we're at for two years 24 hours a day 7 days a week these 12 have been with Jesus they've been able to walk by sight they don't have to walk by faith for two years they had Jesus right there they saw him And when they saw Him, they were good. And as long as they were in His presence, things were well. When He healed, they saw it. When He was teaching, they heard it. Jesus was doing the same thing from one town to the next town to the next. Everywhere He went, it's probably the same work, the same message. The same message of the Kingdom of God. And He just did that time. And they were there for these two plus years. Day in, day out. They were walking with Jesus by sight. But again, they just heard that Jesus is going to go... And Jesus knows He has to prepare them because someday they're not going to be able to walk with Him by sight. They're going to need to walk with Him by faith. That's a big difference. comes into today's lessons. They will not live as disciples. They will be living as apostles. He's got to get them ready. So how are they doing with the first little test? They've heard the message about His death. They've watched Him for two years. He goes up on the mountain with three. There he prays. He has the transfiguration experience where they witness it. What about the other nine? What's happening in their life? When you read the Bible lesson, when Jesus comes back from the mountain, He finds them. You remember what's going on? What's going on is He's, he's surrounded, or He sees His disciples surrounded by a bunch of people they are not happy. He has scribes and Pharisees that are pouncing and attacking them for their message. Anything that they've been talking about Jesus and the kingdom of God and what they've been sharing that they had heard from Jesus and received for those last two years as far as teaching, the scribes and Pharisees are chewing it up and chewing them up with it. On top of that, you have a crowd that has come to find Jesus. Unfortunately, the Jesus isn't there. Instead, they've got the nine. It's like someone that comes to our church and they're looking for Jesus, but they just get us. They would be disappointed too. These folks came a long way to find Jesus, and instead they get the nine disciples. And in these nine disciples, they're not pleased because, one, they're not winning the debates, and they're being mocked and ridiculed by the scribes and the Pharisees. But on top of that, there's one guy there with one child, and they bring that child. The guy's helpless. He's desperate. He's bringing them to the disciples because there's a rumor, has it, that the disciples have the same power as Jesus. Chapter 6, they did. They went out about and they cast out demons and they brought healing to everybody. So, why isn't that happening now? How's it going for these guys when now that Jesus isn't right there? Well, when they bring him and the child, they're unable to help. So, now the crowd is like doubting these disciples, doubting the message, doubting everything that's going on. When Jesus comes down the hill after this transfiguration, that's what he finds. They are overwhelmed. They're sinking, much like the sea experience. When they crossed the other side and they were separated from them, the storm arose, they sank. They thought they were going to die. Right now, they're in a storm, a storm of people against them, a demon-possessed being within them, and they're sinking. And here comes Jesus again to raise them up. He asks a question. He says, what, have, what are you guys arguing about? curious question because they aren't really so much the question is it's about the answer there's no answer when you read this again you'll he'll see he's going to ask that question what are you arguing about and they're not going to give an answer the scribes don't talk because pretty much what is shown up is they're kind of like in the the first grade level of things and they just showed them up to the the professor of the topic and they showed up there and they're not going to say a word because they don't want to lose the argument They've they've been arguing with Jesus a little bit before. They might pick on the disciples when the when the boss man's not around. But when the boss comes back, they're going to be quiet. So the, the scribes and Pharisees you, they will not say a word in here. Jesus shows up and they're mute. What about the disciples? They don't say a word. Now what's going on with that? Lord, this is they don't say anything. But it's not really surprising when you when a parent comes home and there's a big mess and there's like holes in the wall and the dishes are a mess and the dogs are doing things the dogs are and they're fighting to get you what's going on zip the quids are quiet they don't say a thing right they they know so in here jesus comes back what are you guys arguing about what's going on the disciples don't say anything they've been losing the argument and on top of that they are embarrassed they ashamed they've been mocked and ridiculed by the scribes and pharisees because they could not cast out the demon they've lost They've they've let down a good name, if you will, and they're quiet. The crowd doesn't have much to say because they're disappointed. So some of that arguing question was silence. But another part of this is really kind of cool. Is it says that they had amazement when they when they saw him and they started running to him. They came to him. it, that kind of a, a an image or word was likened to when I was doing the Word Stay on it, it was kind of like if uh, imagine a bunch of teenagers and they're going to their favorite musician's concert and the musician comes down and actually starts to sing in their presence and they all just run to them, right? That's kind of the kind of the, the image that they're putting here when Jesus shows up and they start to see it's him. Boom, they run like a bunch of awestruck teenagers to their rock star heroes, their sporting event heroes, whatever it is, getting the autograph, just being in their presence. They're all coming to Jesus like that. So there's a little bit of a glimmer of hope in this, so it's kind of fun to, to read about. Um, the next thing that's going to happen is the man comes forward. The silence is busted by the father. He's the, des- he's the desperate one here. The dad comes forward. He, he talks about what's going on and Jesus says, bring the boy to me. And that's what he does. He brings the boy. As soon as the demon gets close, this is ugly, as soon as the demon sees Jesus and Jesus sees the demon, he throws the boy down. I mean, imagine if you take a child and just knock them over and throw them down. They're hitting hard. The demon's been doing it to this boy for a long time. And it happened again right there. His body's hitting the ground. He's convulsing. He's foaming. He's grinding his teeth. This demon is an evil, vile, disgusting thing that's killing one of God's kids. He's invaded his body. and He's throwing them out. He's destroying them. He's trying to kill them. And that happens again right there. And now Jesus asks the dad, how long has this been going on? Curious question. He just doesn't walk up right away and just tell the demon to go. He doesn't do that. He asks the dad, how long has this been going on? And again, we might pass over this, but it's a beautiful opportunity for us to see the, the compassion and the love of God, because Jesus knows the answer. He's there before creation, He's outside time. Huh? He's God, He knows. So why did he, he asks the man about what's going on? And I liken this to something um, there's been times that there have been disasters. We've gone, I've been on, been able to serve God and, and, and with the church people to go to tornado reliefs and hurricane reliefs and flood reliefs. And when we show up in someone's house, you know, with the tornado, maybe the tornadoes has just come through and just level the house, put the car and the tree and the clothes and the, what's left of the branches and, and strewn their stuff from here to the other side of the Fayetteville Athletic Center. Everything they had, their pictures, their life is gone. And they're just sitting there because the storm—they're wet and they've been working in the dust. They're exhausted. They're just in shock. And you go there, and you you just—all you have to do is just stand next to them, whether they're standing or sit next to them, whether they're sitting. And you ask, you ask them, "What happened?" And all of a sudden, if you listen, they'll start to talk. They'll tell you about how the storm came, how they weren't quite prepared. How their stuff is all over there, their grandparents' gifts, their childhood gifts, the things that they've saved up are all gone. How are they gonna live? Maybe their friends had lost their life. And they start spewing all of their pain and all their hurt, their broken dreams, and their just their realization that it's all vanity anyway, and the only thing they got's them and their Lord and they come to realize they they just start putting that all out there you're loving on them and you're interacting with them and they're just getting rid of it with that. Or someone that might be struggling with the you know, We have people being born and we have people going back to their Lord in, in, in death. And when you sit to someone who's just said goodbye to a loved one, and you to ask how you're doing, if you just stop and you listen, all of a sudden they'll start to tell you, I don't know how I'm going to live without them. I miss them. They were all of this to me. I can't hear their voice anymore. I want to hear their voice. I want to feel their hands. I want to smell their apple pies and their spaghetti sauces and, and, and share meals with them. And I, I'm robbed of that. Death has robbed me of that. And you just listen. It's like they, they unload. Right? That is how you love them. That's how you love them in those times. You can't, take their, you can't do anything but listen. But something in that listening means I love you and I care about you and I, there's compassion engaged. So why is it that Jesus is asking this man, how long has this happened? It's an opening question to let this dad fully unload what he's been experiencing as a dad. Because he has experienced the beauty of his son. We don't hear about mom. Maybe mom died in childbirth. Maybe this is just a dad and a son. We don't know. There's a lot of speculation about that. But whatever it is, there's one man, there's one son, and this son, since he's a child, has been ravaged by something outside of him. This dad has been fighting this his life. He has been poor. He's got to be exhausted by this point. He can't win. He's tried to win. He's tried to pray. He's tried everything he can. This demon is greater than him, and it's wrecking his little boy. It's throwing him into fires. If the dad's not watching, this demon enters him and makes his flesh burn and bubble. And and he's trying to like kill his son, or he'll drown him in a well or something in the waters. This demon is, is at war with this man and his son. And Jesus is listening. It's like this man is taking the weight and this burden from his shoulders and his backpack. And Jesus is like saying, I got this. And he's putting it on. There's a, there's a, there's a change of weight. Years and years. Terrible, horrific struggles. He's listening to this man. And for all those who are outside of this, what's going on is that's what we call prayer. This guy is speaking. This guy is in the presence of. This guy's communing with. He's experiencing the presence and the person of Jesus as he's having this dialogue. That is prayer. This prayer is effective, it's beautiful. He's teaching his disciples about it as well. His disciples. We'll get to this in a minute. I'm going to jump ahead. Anyway, so it's effective in the fact that at the end of this, the dad says, I believe. The dad's really willing to risk hoping just one more time. He's had failure over here. He's had failure over here. His disciples, he comes across here and Jesus' disciples let him down. So every time he had hope that something would happen, that his boy would be set free, it's been crushed. But now in the presence of Jesus... There's a glimmer of hope. Jesus, I believe. I might not have a lot of belief yet, but whatever little card, the last little two of hearts I got, I'm putting it right there. I believe. And the prayer's been answered. Because he has that belief, because he's prayed. He has that belief because he's come to Jesus and shared his conversations and his presence with Jesus. He's interacting with Jesus, which is exactly what prayer is. And because of that prayer, prayer he can say i believe outside of that he can't but in that prayer he says belief and the very next thing is beautiful telling that that the prayer is being effective in the fact that he says and help my unbelief he absolutely says i can't do this and i don't even have enough belief i don't have enough faith i come and i'm a beggar and i got nothing to offer so help my unbelief which is a gift of prayer When you pray, you realize you don't have it and that God does. And you just turn it over and you trust and you hope. And he discovers that Jesus will save. His prayer is answered. The ultimate thing is Jesus saves. The demon, Jesus says, deaf, mute spirit, come out. Kind of like the very first miracle in Mark, in the synagogue, the demon throws the man down, he convulses violently, he shrieks with a scream, and then he comes out. Tells you how horrible, I mean, this terrorizing, horrific evil that this demon is, and it wants to destroy and damage God's kids, is it one more time just gnarls this boy and causes him to foam at the mouth even more and screams out so much that when he's finally gone, it's almost like the boy's dead. The demon wants to wreck God's kids. And there the boy is almost dead. But Jesus, another act of love and, and tenderness, He goes to the boy and He grabs the boy's hand and He gets him up. Jesus restores. The demons want to wreck us. The evil in this world wants us to wreck each other and to be wrecked by them to participate in that. But Jesus says, no, I'm here for healing and restoration. And that's what he does. Jesus will raise this young man up. A tender, personal, saving moment. Now, when this has all happened, remember I said it's the goal of this is to raise disciples to be apostles. And it does so in a private way. Jesus then, next thing we read, is He goes to a house, which is a very private setting. Safe, comfortable, private setting. Homes are great places to do Bible studies. Homes are great places to have strong and important conversations. That's why we want to have home Bible studies coming up within us when the next year, develop those things more and more. Because in the home, Jesus is going to unpack what just happened with His disciples. In that house, He completes the lesson. He said to them, This kind can only come out through prayer. What he's saying is, You knuckleheads try to do it on your own. You tried to do this without me. You weren't using my power. You weren't using. You can't overcome the demons. I'm the one who does the overcoming of demons. You don't have it in you. You'll never have it in you. If you don't pray, you won't get the results. This demon and any other demons will not come out unless you pray. And what is prayer doing? We already learned from the transfiguration, a prayer moment on the mountain, and the transfigur- in the moment between Jesus and the man who's engaging in that prayer, is that prayer takes them from their place and it takes them into the place of grace, the, the place of God's presence, the place of God's energies flowing in and through and around them. Prayer takes them from there to this place with God, with God in them, and only from that place, like the man had, then they have the place where they have faith. Jesus lamented in there, oh, and, and he said, this evening, generation. That's a sigh of, of almost defeated disgust. Why don't they believe? Why are they. Something's popping in our speakers. But anyway, it's because they didn't pray. The faithless generation is not a one that's praying because if you pray, that means by default you're having a relationship with Jesus and you're receiving all that Jesus is. And then from that relationship, now in this place, you get to have faith. And apart from prayer, apart from Jesus, you won't have faith. That's the lesson. And faith and a trust and a hope in Jesus The boy's raised. We don't do it on our own. We don't tell God we want to do something and ask Him to bless it. Our world, our church always wants to flip that. People always want to flip that. The disciples want to do it on their own. And they failed. We always say, God, what do you want us to do? Help us to do it. Not say, God, this is our plan. Bless it. Oh, that's backwards. God, what's your plan? Bless us to do it. You pray first, and in the presence of Jesus you get the faith and the direction, and then from there you go to action. If these 12 disciples can learn that lesson, they can change the world. Apart from that lesson, apart from prayer, apart from God's presence in their lives, and apart from faith, they will not be able to move a mountain. But with that, they'll change the world. That's what's going on in today's Bible lesson. And the call for us is, God help us be that church that we will pray, that we will will, um, have God's grace full in us, and that we will absolutely have faith that will change the world. God help us be that church. Amen.